Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to 99 Potions, Fanbyte's premier RPG podcast, where we talk about RPGs. I'm today's host, Natalie Flores, a featured contributor of Fanbyte.com. And with me today are head of large, John Warren. Hi, how's it going? You're doing great, Natalie. Good job. Thanks. Thank you so much. Also, I swear I have a dog and... Okay, anyway. It's never come up... Here's the thing. It's never come up in conversation before. That's the thing. We're all sitting here. We all know about the cat, Unifer. Five seconds before you started the show, you go, hi, my dog's crying. And we're like, we're all sitting here Have y'all not heard him? Has he not, like, like, he snores? No, I've never never heard your dog. I genuinely assumed you made it up for a joke. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so sad. What is your dog's name? I've only heard of you. His name is Kanto, but it keeps like he's what? This is fucking out of nowhere information for Natalie. This did not exist. You got this dog yesterday. I've tweeted him before. I've had him for six years. Oh my god! How long has Natalie been gone? Because I feel like. Yep, Natalie just like very good at thinking on her feet is like making all of this up and like has to run out <laughs> and go buy a dog now. <laughs> he's just so well behaved that in comparison to Yennefer, he just like sleeps all the time and just does absolutely nothing. Um, and cries. Yeah. And for context, uh, listeners, our friends, pals, RPG pals, um, we were talking about who was going to host because every session it's kind of like a, a sort of like dual face-off as to who's going to host. And I never want to host. Um, and so <laughs> I told them legitimately, like, okay, I'll host, but hold on a minute. I need to get my dog because he's crying on the bed because he wanted uh-huh. me to put him right. down from the bed. Sure. And apparently no one knows that no. I have had a dog for the last okay. six years. No idea. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, that is more explanation than you, it, like, you actually, all you said was, Hold on, my dog is crying. And then I drifted away from the microphone. Yeah, that's all that happened. After it's, begging not to host. <laughs> it's the Gen Z version of my dog ate my homework, but now it's just, oh, my dog is crying. My dog is crying. Um, one of the voices that you just heard is the person that I initially tried to bully into hosting this episode today, Imran Khan. Oh, my God. Two brown people on the podcast. Woo! Woo! We're there back, were two brown baby. people on the last podcast as well. That's true. That's true. Oh my God. Yeah. What will we do next week? Perhaps even three brown people. We'll wow, see. Yes. Let's do it. Yeah. Like John said today on Twitter, he does not know 15 and I don't know. I don't know enough people. interesting white dudes to start a studio. Like I just don't. Yeah. Like I, I don't. That's the truth. Who would I, who would, I, who would I pluck out of a lineup of men, white men that I know to start a studio? It's not 10. There aren't 10 of them. It doesn't exist. Anyway, let's keep going. Sorry. So true. <clears throat> Steven Strom, managing editor. How are you today? Good. I've never started a game studio in my life, and God forbid if I ever do. So true. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my threat to start the show. <laughs> uh, hello, today. Natalie. It's nice yes. to see you again. I'm oh, not seeing yeah. you. I'm talking to you. Whatever. So true, so true. It's been a hot minute. I feel like everyone is still catching up to me being back just because, like, the impact of my return is still like, whoosh, and everyone's yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, it's huge. You, you took you a month recover. off to host Jeopardy. 
Yeah, do you- <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even call you back. It was just all a ruse. Oh my god! Oh my! I, it's like you know that GIF of like the Final Fantasy fourteen old man that like the calamity is like blowing up in his face, and he's just kind of like ah, that's all of you with my Louis return. Yeah. yeah, Louis Wa. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, I, we're I'm so to make we're it so glad you're for back. these nerds who aren't caught up yet. I only know one Final Fantasy fourteen GIF. It's the one where the guy's like laughing and then looks mad, and like that's the only one you actually need. That's the only get yeah. get GIF that's available on the internet. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, so I, I started I started that app and I tried to make a character and they don't have. They don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, don't they don't have bunny boys yet. Yeah, they don't have bunny boys. boys. <clears throat> they're coming though, and you can. They are, and they and and someone did tweet at you, and they're right that they give you the thing to do it with. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. like they they're they giving that away one. for free right now, which is cool. Yeah, so because they yeah. know that eventually you're gonna be like, I, yes. I'd rather just be a Viera. <sighs> right. I have been holding on to a free one that I got like six years ago yeah. or something like that yeah. for like, like in case of emergency break glass, they <laughs> said it wasn't going to happen. They doubled down on it, not happening. And now it's finally happening. And I finally feel vindicated, like holding on to my ramen coupon in fucking destiny all these years, like that sort of style of thing um, for people who play destiny will understand that reference. Um, and I am going to slut myself up as a bunny boy. So quickly, the minute that game, that expansion comes out, I'm so excited. It's, it's gonna so be good. good. I honestly, I think the happiest thing that happened to me over my break was changing to Vera. Like that was a highlight. <laughs> She's so great, right? She's so cute and pretty. Yeah. And I just, ugh, I love just like walking onto the battlefield, just all pastel pink colors. Just like having my tatas and my bum out, and then yeah. just like dealing like mad DPS. Like it's the best. But yeah, yeah. I told Imran that he has major. Lotofell tank energy, um, but oh, yeah. <laughs> but we play these games for escapism. So like I absolutely understand why he doesn't want to be a Lotofell. Yeah. That feels like a dig, to be clear. <laughs> uh, you, you are you are the small potato person. <laughs> like, Listen, no one gets called a Lotofell more than I do. Okay, like all true. my friends ask me like, why aren't you a Lotofell? Why didn't you Fantasia to a Lotofell? I, mean, I couldn't bully. look less like a Vera. Like I couldn't look less like a Vera, but that's who I. I am. I'm Fedona Tepsivir. I just feel like Imran is small, but his courage is so tall that, mm. like, <laughs> to me, Lotofil Tank just screams Imran. But okay. Natalie, mm-hmm. I have to ask you then: What would you call um, me and John? What, what, like, be, yeah, not based on like our our in game preferences, but based mm-hmm. on who we are as people? What do you think we are? Yeah, where where are we? I'll put you on the spot. Yeah. Okay. Um. <sighs> It does does a ca- uh, does the Vera boy count? Like, are we counting on Vera boys? Or? I think so. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. there's they're coming out soon enough. It sounds season. like like a, a terrible gang, the Vera boys. The Vera <laughs> boys. <laughs> <laughs> we run Vault ninety six, and you won't stop us. <laughs> Steven strikes me as like a cat envy. Mm, okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know why, because you're extremely tall. Are the cats tall in the game? They're not. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And John, you... Oh, yeah, Natalie picks everyone's... Final Fantasy fourteen race should be a feature. Yeah, I yeah, consider yeah. it. Yeah, race and uh, cause job. Because I, I need more time to think about this. But, um, John, you might just be a male here. Cool. Well, I'm going to hang up the phone now. <laughs> and I'll, uh, the only thing you could have said that would have upset me, and you've said it. So. That's exactly why I said That's it. That's cool. That's but great. That's no, it's house. right. It's fine. You know what? No. I, I have a graduate degree. I get it. <laughs> this is what happens, you know. But also, like, I, I think once you get to, like, especially once you get to Shadowbringers and, like, Thancred becomes, like, a cool gunbreaker with, like, a big long jacket and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. that that's a cool archetype Steven, in the you, game eventually. You don't have to, you don't have to do this. <laughs> I, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm, yeah, I'm exchanging business cards and American Psycho, like, <laughs> just one of those, just one of those guys. It's fine. No, it's cool. I'm going to change Fedona Tep to, uh, uh, a human man right after this call. 
what the race you pick in RPG. Well, says that about would you. make you log <laughs> into Final Fantasy XIV, which you haven't done in a few days. That's true. Yeah. So that would be a problem. So this is a new thing. This is just culture corner for Fun 99 coaches <laughs> right now. I swear we have a, an agenda, but we have to get through this first. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I've been busy, but every single day at about 6 p.m. my time, <laughs> Natalie, all through her vacation, by the way, and also <laughs> since she got back, has just been sending me, hey, where are you at in, in terms of where my level is? And if I haven't made any progress, she goes, well, hey, as long as you get some time in, like a, like a fucking baseball coach. <laughs> like, listen, as long as you're getting in the cage at some point, you got to mm-hmm, do it. Mm-hmm. But also you have to get into the cage. You have to go. Exactly. Um, Left field we, is still on the field, you know? Yeah, we did play together, though. Do we want to talk about that? How I met up with you? By the way, yeah, you mentioned how little clothing you're wearing. I'm dressed in like a pea coat that's like the size of a truck. In, uh, Costa here, del Sol. Yeah, and here, yeah in, at the beach, Costa del Sol. And here comes Natalie finding me for the first time, uh, like wearing nothing. And then um, we start to, we start, <laughs> she starts to just summon that eight passenger whale to take me like, to take me like 10 feet to do my next quest. And so I hop onto the thing and she's like flying over a small hill in order to drop me off to just talk to someone so that she could then pick me back up and then take me back to like the quest giver. This okay, happened baby, for maybe fun. two hours. Like, like two hours. Three o'clock. Bye. Have fun. Yeah. yeah it's like dropping me off at school. And then sometimes if she saw in the distance that I was getting into a scuffle with some level 35 monster, she would come sprinting up behind me and, and like casts like fucking level a billion holy to kill a, a sandworm that's like doing no damage to anyone she insta kills it i'm not even getting the experience of these battles i'm just going no i think you are because we're in the party <laughs> no we're not yet we're in a party so i'm just like all right well i'm just gonna go turn my quest in i guess this is all the experience of getting so it was uh it was a trip it was fun we all we all have to start a huge party though we have to do that at it's some point so soon. good yeah. yeah i felt like i was dropping john off at school for yeah. two hours it was <laughs> yeah. really great because like at some points he would um he would get like the next step in the quest and the next step in the quest was really like five feet away from him but like he would get it and he would send me the coordinates and I'd be like, hey, what the fuck? It's like right here. <laughs> like, it's like you're dropping off at school. You're like, you're dropping off at school, but you're also standing outside a classroom window, uh-huh. like mouthing the answers. Yeah. To whatever the answers. <laughs> asking. Or Make like, sure I'm not getting bullied. Like I was going to say, like sitting in the car outside the playground at recess, watching for you to get bullied and then like jumping out and being like, hey, hey, yeah. no. Not yeah. to my child. Yeah. Not it's my son. The equivalent of watching your kid getting bullied on the playground and getting out of your car and bazooka-ing a child. It's like, <laughs> it's like the wildest energy that I was spending for two hours just with Natalie, my guardian angel, doing all this insane shit. This guardian angel in the skimpiest outfit. No, like, literally, he would go into a building and I would park the huge whale mount, like, right at the mouth of the building. And I'd just be like, okay, I'm waiting here and i wouldn't get off you're not even you're not even de-resing the the uh, the uh, the whale you're just like i'm just i look sometimes behind me like oh yeah there she is because i told him i I told him it's no problem for me i'm editing on the side and i was editing a story so i'm like okay while my son goes in to talk to like louis swa the third i'm gonna be editing the story that i'm working on it was great though we did two dungeons um well actually no we did a dungeon and we did the the airfoot fight which john died three no, the times titan, i did the titan fight we did the all right titan titan titan, yeah. titan my bad yes it was titan and he died three times it, it was great <laughs> I, was, I felt so bad i just kept apologizing because <laughs> i was standing too close to the edge and titan has this attack where at some point he's like i'm gonna make part of the ground disappear but it shows you the border where mm-hmm. you can stand but like if you're even like a pixel into that you just go careening off of this thing and you die instantly. <laughs> right. so I, was just, I, I kept apologizing to these randos natalie's like it's fine it's yeah. fine i was gonna 
say what I did there and in the dungeon was act like I did not fucking know John. You did. That's exactly <laughs> what you did. You did. You did. You like, so you like, me at all. You're like, oh, it's fine, beginner. It's fine. <laughs> no, I didn't say beginner, but like in the first dungeon at one point, uh, everyone besides me died because that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, it's totally okay. Great job, everyone. And like, usually I, I am like that, but also I wanted to like, you know, just reassure John, like it's, it's totally okay. Like everyone in the community is really nice. And recently, something that I'm I'm really enjoying is getting into alliance raids and teaching people mechanics. And like, some people are like, like the other day I had two people be like Natalie I love you and I'm like okay thank you um because just like it's so fun to explain the mechanics and like our tank was like all the tanks in that alliance raid were new um so one that's a tough soul. one to have new it is and it, it was world of darkness um Ooh, yeah, okay. yeah so like Cerberus and the uh, all of that yeah. um but our tank was really devoted and he was just really listening to everything that I was explaining and like it was just such a wholesome thing and after every single uh enemy like boss fight that we would do I would be like great job great job and like (laughs) I just love that you know nothing it's good it it doesn't happen I mean I'm not into any other MMOs so I can't say for sure but I get the feeling that this doesn't happen in other MMO communities very much FF14 is like at the, well, A, it's got like a huge influx of new players at the moment, especially as a ton of people are jumping ship from World of Warcraft yeah. um, is, is the story. And also yeah. FF14 has like a huge reputation as being like one of the friendliest online gaming communities in the world at this point, I feel like. Yeah. So you yeah. have this huge influx of new people and the like who are used to a very, very, very mainstream MMO where that gets a huge cross section of I'm sure there are a lot of great people who play World of Warcraft, but also a lot of real shit heels mm-hmm. um, and, you know, our own um, uh, Perculia, uh, Alexis Cousy has uh, done a lot of talking and reporting about like how the World of Warcraft community can be very bad. Um, Jordan says, I moderated those fuckers. They're horrible. <laughs> I was That's trying to like, be even handed, uh, but Jordan, Jordan. Wait, coming in, coming in hot, way less diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy XIV community way better than World of Warcraft community on the whole. There are there are shit deals in every community. On the whole, I think it's true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm waiting for John to log back in so I can be his Sh- chaperone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just go like literally the first time that we went into battle together, and I. I was a white mage, so I took time to cast a spell, but then later on I switched to a bard and you can just insta-hit stuff. Like, both times, the first time that he saw me attack with them, he was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, so I, funny, because he was ready for an attack. He was preparing that. And I, was I turned like, around I turned around with my model, like with the model character, <laughs> with my character. I turned around to look at Natalie, like both times this happened. I was like, well, oh my God. I'm not going to stop you, uh, but that's a wild <laughs> amount of power that you're just throwing around here. It was really like he wants no pickles for two hours. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he asked for no pickles just for two hours. I, I'm yeah. happy to do the same for Imran whenever he joins. Um, I was I about to ask, mm-hmm. Imran, yeah, have you made any headway into this game at all? No, I. so I, I've not went back and made my character yet. Cause like, I guess I will just make somebody and then change to Vera later. But I also don't want to get like ahead of my partner who has yet, not yet started the game because like if i get too far ahead she's just never gonna play that game she's yeah. just going to like be like oh well you're far ahead so i guess i'm i have no group or whatever imran have i told you my final fantasy 10 story you have not okay when i was uh however old i was in 2001 i guess i was 16 uh, 15 or 16 um final fantasy 10 came out my best friend um michael scullin i think i've told the story on this podcast before so i'm sorry um he lived in a different state and he said hey when i come into town for christmas for two weeks let's play this game and beat it together like old times and i was like god that sounds so great that sounds so great mike yeah let's do that and then what happened is that I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I played about 20 hours at a game before Michael got into town. And then I acted like I had not played it 
for <laughs> the entire time that we played together. And I listen, I know that at some point you and your partner are going to live together and that's going to be like, you know, a little difficult to, to deal with that. But my guess is that you should just go ahead and get to level 80 and then it's just like not, not, <clears throat> not tell her what's going on. Yeah, that's get to I'm level saying. 80 on one class and then switch to a different class yeah, yeah, yeah. at level one and just yeah, tell her, like, yep, this is my first job. Like, whoa, <laughs> who is this? Who's wow? Who are these whoa, little whoa. twins? Oh, whoa. these masked men, they're so mysterious. They're mad. Wow. Well, look at their, it's like the judges from Final Fantasy 12, this design, <gasps> you know, just, <laughs> so those are good fair, things you can pull from. This is actually the third time I'm starting Final Fantasy 14 because yeah. I've played it twice before and I think I just got out of the main city and then for whatever reason, the person I was playing with quit or whatever, I just didn't like continue going on. So I do know a little bit about the game already, so I could probably fake it if I really needed mm. to. Okay. Yeah. Just tell her not to listen to 99 Potions episode 58. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. She'll be fine otherwise. Cut to cut to three days from now when we all get at it on Twitter from Brad. <laughs> it's just like, hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's so wild of me because she just sent me the cutest care package. I don't know if she told you, Ermon, yeah. but she made this care package for me and I wanted to cry when I received it. So I'm out here like, Brad, just don't listen to this podcast. That was it. It's fine. <laughs> but anyways we have been talking about final fantasy 14 as if this episode focuses on final fantasy 14 but shocker it does not we're actually <laughs> we're actually going to talk about tales of arise which um steven you played a preview <clears throat> of very recently the embargo for these previews just went up yesterday um and that's coming out on september like real soon like in less than a month ish like september 10 is it sure i believe that i haven't looked first of all we got like a whole ass like 40 day range there before you came up with <laughs> september 10th like, <laughs> ish it's like it feels very soon like you september know like 10th. Today, september 10th yeah see i was right yes. and right. today Good it's job. august 11th so li literally like 30 days from you now. did it you yeah. got it yeah yeah right on so, the money eat it um <laughs> anyways steven i read lots of tales of arise previews yesterday uh because this is a game that i am a little on the fence about like i want to get into it but i need convincing to do so um especially since lately i'm really struggling with paying attention to video games like i i opened neil the world ends with you the other day after i expensed it <laughs> to john um yeah, so I, I john bought like, <laughs> the neil the world like ends with you 15 minutes of it and i was really enjoying it and i was like oh, i'm finally gonna stick with the game again and i was like okay i'm done um so who knows when i'm gonna go back to that but i'll try to do it later this week um yeah so yeah so i need convincing and i feel like your preview was a little more critical than uh the others that i read so i i am curious about your takeaway from this preview anything that you didn't mention in, in your preview article which you can read over at fanbyte.com it's called tales of arise provides a whole hell of a lot to chew on in just two hours um so yeah yeah um so this is my first tales game that i've ever played for real for real like in mm -hmm. the sense that like i've bought tales games before i have like vesperia and berseria and zillia and others i think uh, some, <laughs> some, in some places imran i think you've actually played more of this franchise before right I think since Symphonia, I've probably played every mainline Tales game. Like oh, that wow. doesn't include like some of the DS ones or whatever. But I, I that doesn't mean I finished all of them. But I've played the vast majority. Would you consider then. yourself a Tales of Connoisseur? I guess I would. I mean, I have a. If you ask me to remember any specific things from those games, it might be a bit of a struggle. Oh, but okay. I, I would say I know which ones I like and which ones I don't. Uh, literally, all I know about the Tales franchise is the dog smoking a pipe in one of them, and uh, Berseria is a prequel to something. To Zestiria. Zestiria. There's a character named Natalia in Tales of the Abyss, I think. Yes. I okay. Her. Okay. Yeah, I played that one a bit. 
Um, <laughs> is, that how you, is that how you choose to play games, Natalie? You're like, with my name. Well, it. it certainly helps that she <laughs> basically shared my name and she was like adorable and stuff. Okay, anyways. Um. But uh, yeah, this one, um, I had, so I'd never really played the Tales games before in any serious capacity. I played mm-hmm. like 10 minutes of Zillia once. Um, and. I came into this one pretty fresh, partially because I, I don't know if it's the art style or if it's the way that they've kind of been talking it up quite a bit, but like something about Tales of Arise feels like it's almost a soft reboot or a soft like re, like a like a jumping on point for the franchise yeah. to a certain degree. Uh, they, most of these been, games are not connected. They've been trying to split that difference in the marketing of being like, hey, it's a it's the Tales game you know and love, but also it's a new modern take on all of it. So like, right. they I I think internally it probably is intended as a reboot, but like they're trying to get Tales fans to stay on board with this thing. Okay, um, so I don't know what the what to ex- I, I really didn't know what to expect going into it um, in terms of tone or anything like that. Um, but it was. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed the little bit I played. I played like the first two hours of the game, uh, basically, um, right at the start where it's the opening cutscene and then a tutorial and then all the way leading up to like the final boss fight, which is very borderline Dark Soulsy kind of boss fight at the end where it's like a huge health bar. It's all action-based combat, but the setup for the game is a fucking lot. The I don't know if you saw this in the time that you spent with the game, Imran, at all, but um, the intro like cutscene of this game is... So there's these two planets that live right next to each other, and one of them has magic and spaceships. And they came to this other planet, and they enslaved everybody on there. And then 300 years later, they're still enslaved, and they embed gems into everybody's hands. And then they make their slaves work uh, day in and day out, even though they could automate it, because they need to harvest their human suffering for a big giant rock in the sky because there's five lords that rule this magic empire and they power their superpowers with human suffering and every 20 years those guys fight each other and whoever harvests the most human suffering wins and gets to be the new god and also you're playing as a man in the iron mask uh who is one of these slaves but also he doesn't have a gem and nobody knows why and he doesn't know his name because he has amnesia and also there's a mysterious girl who electrocutes everyone she touches and there's a train and a resistance movement shows up and you get freed uh, chasing after this girl who might be kind of racist uh, and then you join the resistance movement and then she's less racist, but then still says racist things all the time. It, it's very weird. Is this destiny? This sounds like destiny. It's not not destiny in some ways. <laughs> it's a lot. But but it's also just like that's like the opening that, like that's all in the opening cutscene and the tutorial of this game. Hmm. Um and it's a fucking lot to deal with uh immediately within like 10, 15 minutes of the game. Uh, you do I'm get, amazed so, that you got all that and like just like said it so eloquently and conveyed it to us. Because um, <laughs> like one thing that I struggle with with RPGs, even though they're like basically my second favorite genre behind visual novels, is like I'm really dummy stupid. Mm, so it's like mm-hmm. if you throw all this jargon <laughs> at me, like recently I was playing um, an RPG that we will be talking about at a later date, and I'm like do I just not understand what's going on? Like, am I just right. stupid? It's always a thing that I struggle with RPGs. Like, I'm always thinking, am I too stupid to get what's going on? Or are they just not doing a great job of laying this out very eloquently? I think JRPGs have ruined me in that respect. Because, like, when I don't know what's going on, I'm like, oh, the game will just explain it to me later. Like, right. it must be that they're trying right. to be coy about it. But it's actually, no, I, they're just explaining it badly or I like yeah. I'm not understanding it. There, it is definitely a problem. There, there was like a problem with fantasy writers. Um, I think more than just like fantasy as a genre, but I think like bad fantasy and good fantasy and sci-fi is the same way. Um, <laughs> I think there's an XKCD comic about this actually, about how um, like how much I care about your story is inversely proportional to how many proper nouns you introduce um, mm-hmm. in the first like chapter. And this game is just rotten. And I think JRPGs in general are just rotten with proper nouns and like um, made up words and phrases uh, for magical things and like fake terms for things that already exist. And like this game is full of it um, in that way. And it really wants to kind of create this sort of pathos about like, oh, these people are enslaved, they are suffering, they're being tortured by this evil empire, but 
it also kind of wants to have it both ways because the first two characters you get are this man in the iron mask who in the marketing uh, is named Alfin. In the demo, they don't know his name. He's just literally called Iron Mask. Everybody calls him Iron he's Mask. Heaven's, he's Thank Red Heaven's Word. <laughs> he really is Thank Red Heaven's Word, but with like a big like Destiny helmet stuck to his face. <laughs> um, and then there's a lady named Shion, not to be confused with Kingdom Hearts Shion, who... Or Xenosaga Shion. Or Xenosaga Shion. <laughs> a popular JRPG name. Um, she is from this evil empire or whatever and joins your squad almost immediately. But it's, it's so wild because there is this rigid class hierarchy. And that's the problem that tales of rise. I think and I, that I, I seize on in my preview is that it wants to establish all this stuff and all of these hundred year old, 300 year old tensions and history, but it doesn't want to spend any time on it. Cause it also wants you to go in and fight guys and level up and grind XP and stuff. So yeah. all, all this stuff happens immediately. And this character gets introduced to your squad who is just like, oh, I would never know or work with an embedded, which it seems to kind of just be like a slur in this world for the like slave race people uh, who live on this planet that you're you're stuck on. Um, and so she's like saying a lot of nasty shit to you or whatever, but then is like almost immediately. Anyway, I'll join your crew and help you kill the basically senators of my planet <laughs> to um, stop them from doing something. Uh, she is she's got a mysterious past herself. So I think that is a situation where there is stuff that will be explained later. But also, she, yeah, she's she's kind of a jerk and hates you for who you are. Um, she's also really hot. Yeah, she's all, well. The, <laughs> I can say it because I'm the queer lady, okay? Uh -huh, uh -huh. I will say um, she's not the shield lady. That's a different lady. Yeah, uh, no, that's sure. another lady. But the yeah, lady I mean, my, that's something that I've, I've yeah. gathered from the previews. Um, Amy Hart for Gfinity and Eric Van Allen, friend of the site, or Red Destructoid. Both are critics that I really trust, writers that I generally trust, and and good friends with so like disclaimer but both of them go into how like Alfin has this interesting thing where he's very eager to stand up for people and fight against injustice and part of that is the fact that he's like a good person at heart but also the fact that he can't feel pain for some reason right um and which, which plays into the game mechanically pretty quickly on too right and then Shion like it pairs nicely with her, I guess, because, like, she shocks anyone who comes into contact with her, and she has some, like, like you said, there's there's some depiction of racism, like, she's sort of allying herself with, like, the enemy of her enemy, because um, she's, like, trying to turn against her own people, um, but, like, it's, you know, it's complicated. She seems to be a complicated uh, character, so... Um, I was wondering if that came across to you as like female character who's bound to have some complexity in the future versus like uh, she's just kind of racist and a jerk. I think she definitely has some kind of complexity. She seems like she's out for revenge uh, against mm -hmm. these people in her world in some way. Um, the fact that she has like this magic, like all of the people from her planet seems to have a uh, different magic power and it seems like it's X-Men rules. So everybody gets a different one. Mm -hmm. And uh, hers is she electrocutes anybody that touches her and the bad guys want that. But so she steals some kind of magical artifact um, and goes on the run with it to kind of get back at them for maybe mistreating her because of her magic power. Um, and this magical artifact is like so powerful that it burns literally to it like a crisp like like it incinerates anybody who touches it so your guy is like well I'll use it and then he uses it and he can't feel pain and then she can use her magic to just instantly heal him um, and that's kind of where that goes and the, the game draws we talked previously I forget if this was on 99 potions or channel F about like how games will draw inspiration. I think it was with Patricia actually about how games will draw influence from other very influential games in ways that you don't even expect or notice sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think there is like an element of this game drawing from Dark Souls in a way that is like not directly like you drop your XP when you die and re rest at bonfires and stuff. And it's more about like when you're out exploring in the open world of this game, uh, you can use your attack spells basically willy nilly. I think they have a cooldown, but you can do combo moves and all that stuff as much as you want. Uh, the only thing that is on a like resource that you have to replenish ever at ends and stuff is like healing points, uh, healing magic 
to like keep your guy who doesn't feel pain from uh burning through his body basically um and i think that like has some similarities to like rationing your estus flask in a dark souls game uh and they end up working it into the um exploration as well because there will be doors that your character can like oh i'll just like absorb this fire magic into myself real quick and because he's burning himself well it's 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 more like he's just opening a big door it's like oh there's a chest behind this door and do you want to open that door and take it because if you do it'll cost you healing points that you Mm -hmm. won't have to use in like a boss fight or something like that uh but you might get a cool leather armor piece or something like that that gives you better stats so it's i think the gameplay element of things is very interesting i think the but just the story is so fucking much so quickly and once you actually get control of the characters feels so small in a weird way that Mm -hmm. it does feel abbreviated in this way that like is really jarring so Uh, i think it's it's important to note at this point that like tales games are very like they are anime adjacent in a way that that's become the marketing for them. That right. the, yeah. the major thing for a number of decades at this point was, uh, these games have an anime artist. They have anime voice actors. They have anime character designers. They are oh. basically anime games for, you know, put it into RPG mode. Then I think this one specifically is like trying to follow the market a little bit of there's now a, uh, shonen is not the right word for it, but a like, older teen anime market of like attack on Titan and things like that, that have these large world building setups, but very small world problems. And I mean, like attack on Titan is basically about three characters who end up being in being involved in like the major apocalypse at the end of the world, but it's not, it's about them specifically. And I think that's kind of where, Based on what I played with Arise, which is the demo that I think is also coming out in like a week or so, but for our publicly, but uh, I think it's that kind of thing of them following the idea of what if we build this very complicated, very dark world very fast and then just focus on the party and let them slowly build up the, the stakes and escalation for the rest of the game. Yeah. And it does feel like that's maybe where they're going with this. I think, uh, yeah, I was about to say the same thing that Jordan just said in our chat here, which is seinen man- manga right. is the term you're thinking of, Imran. Like Golden Kamui, a series I love deeply, is a great seinen manga series. Uh, and there has definitely been a um, renaissance of that recently, even in the West here as well. Um, you know, the people who grew up watching Dragon Ball Z are grown up, right? Like, so they have slightly, slightly more uh, adult oriented tastes in turn, not just in terms of like, you know, more violence or whatever, but like, you know, there is a, there is definitely a growing hunger for people focused on real world problems, you know, manga and anime set in office buildings where people work and stuff like that, or did work before the world exploded. Um, and yeah, this game, I think the problem with how that is presented in this game is that like it 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 would be one thing if it established all of that stuff that like world spanning conflict and stuff like that. But it does that. And your character like the thing that really made it st- stand out for me as being like feeling too condensed and too abbreviated was you start in this like work camp and break out on a train and you ride the train uh hijack it to a resistance camp and then the resistance camp gets attacked and you have to move on from there and there's like this kind of almost final fantasy 15 like road trip vibe where your characters have to camp at night and it's like oh it's a really long trek to this next area and all that stuff happens in the intro and then you get control and it's like okay now do side quests and you can just this this big multi-day train ride and camping trip thing that was supposed to take you to a part of the world that you've never seen before. If once you get control of your characters, it takes about 30 seconds to walk back to that work yeah, camp that the game started at. <laughs> well, but that's just, I mean, that's just an RPG fucking mainstay, right? I'm just like, hey, like, this is a journey. And the second you have any sort of agency, it's just like, I like, like Final Fantasy X is a great example of at some point, you're just like, oh, I could just fucking bebop along wherever I want to. And it's, it's not like a big pilgrimage. It just feels like I'm I'm hopping, right? Like I don't know. Like I get, I get, I get that though. It's kind of weird to 
do that so early, especially to do it early, because I think there's a yeah. way to establish that. And also, like, there's no it's not like you're bopping around on an overworld. It's like right. literally it. it's there is a there is a 45 second like canyon road that leads from point A to B from where you were before to where you like where your characters were supposed to be then. And it all happens so quickly. I think one of the things that makes Final Fantasy X feel like a pilgrimage and feel real is that it is more restrained in what it allows you to do early on. And then it's like, whoa, when you get like an airship later on and things like that, that's always a moment in those games. Whereas here it just feels like set dressing. Do y'all, because I'm thinking, I'm like, Okay, so they pack a lot into two hours, and then my my immediate assumption is that like the next ten hours will probably slow things down a bit and kind of mm, like yeah. take your time and and introduce less stuff and kind of uh, flesh out how those things interact with each other. I could be wrong. The next ten hours could be like introducing a million more things that are even more confusing. Right. But but would like what do y'all prefer? Because I feel like when I get a lot of stuff thrown at me, I'm like oh wow okay woo, but I. I'm so impatient and angry when the opposite is true. And I've got to go through two hours, three hours of fucking nothing happening in an RPG that I'm like, like bravely default to fuck that. Like the first three (laughs) hours of that game, I hated like, because nothing happens. Like nothing is explained. It is just like a slog. And I would, I can, probably name five or six rpgs that i've played even recently that kind of have this going for it too where you know maybe maybe one of the extremes is not the answer maybe a balance is the answer uh, mm-hmm. gee what a weird idea um but like i almost think i prefer too much rather than too little i don't know how do y'all feel about like intros like that I think to me, it depends on when you ask me. Cause like, if it's a, yeah. I'm willing to accept a slog if it serves a greater good. Cause like, Ease 8 is a very good example of that first half of that, or not even first half, like first third of that game is, uh, you are, you were on an island. You were just trying to like find all the castaways. You were trying to like, you know, explore the mm. island a little bit and yeah. map it out. And then at some point you like climb this big mountain just cause you need to see what's over it. And then that's when the main story of the game essentially starts of Holy shit. We're looking at all the stuff on the island that we had no idea about. And there's a like ruins and dinosaurs and things like that, that really actually are changing though the viewpoint of the story. And mm. I think that would not be, have been nearly as impactful if it was not such a like kind of low stakes climb to get there. Yeah. And once that happened, now that I'm looking at it holistically, I'm like, oh, that's super cool. Like they they actually did set that up really well. But at the time, I'm like, yo, nothing's happening. What are the hell are the stakes in this game? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's point. such a good question, John. Um, because like you said, like ideally it's a balance, but it's it's difficult to gauge what constitutes as a balance when like your rpg could be anywhere from 20 hours to like 50 60 hours um i guess the answer that i'm arriving at at least in the moment i think i i think i have to think about it a bit more but i guess mine is when i'm thinking about all my favorite rpgs i guess the rather than too much or too little it's I need character building to happen before the world's building. Mm. Because if I don't care about the immediate characters in front of me, then I don't really care about getting to know the world at large. So rather than scope, it's almost like the framing that matters yeah. most to me. Okay. Like I'm thinking about yeah. Final Fantasy IX, for example. And it's like, mm, when sure. I think about the opening of that game, I don't think about like the established like lore and rules of that universe. I think about Vivi walking through Lindblom and just being like super small in this huge world that is obviously imposing for him. And he's obviously just like this very lost character. I think about Zidane and, you know, just like his personality as he's, you know, getting garnet from the castle. And I'm much less concerned with, and I find the world of Final Fantasy IX fascinating, um, but I need to care about the characters first before feeling like I should have some sort of stake in getting to know the world. 13 is very much the opposite of that, of like, 
here's just the world and things are happening and here's a bunch of proper nouns and you don't know who yes. anyone yes. is yet. Yes, and that's 100%. why a lot of people fall off from it. And it's it's a pity because like those characters in that game are really good in my opinion, but it, it does the inverse of that. And I think Final no. Fantasy has been traditionally good at like focusing on the characters before the world building. And I think the, the more divisive games are the ones where like the opposite happens. Yeah. Well, and like I think Arise leans more towards the Final Fantasy 13, at least in the like opening two hours. Again, I might get past this first boss um, in this demo and then it's just like, OK, and now let's let's slow things back. Let's right. just focus on the characters. But a really good storytelling, I think, is good when it focuses on the characters and then without you even realizing it is using those character moments to also tell you things about the world. Like, yes. yeah, sure. We, when Vivi enters Lindblom and is like in like this, it's Alexandria. It's, it's Alexandria. Lindblom. Two of y'all right, made sorry. a mistake. <laughs> it's and, been was, a while. and I wasn't going to correct one, but both of you did it. So I thought it was absolutely had to say like something. Fool. So sorry. I just like no, no. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, I made you look like a fool. No, no, Natalie. no. Because you no. The I'm saying that you should correct me because the, then I look like a fool. Like I'll pull another like you know. Okay, I just don't want to be a. I don't want to be a pedant on this podcast. Be as Alexandria anyway. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's Alexandria. <laughs> okay, anyways. Steven, um, go on. <laughs> yeah, but when uh, VV walks into Alexandria and, like, has his ticket to this uh, show that he wants to go see, he... You, you, you immediately establish that like, oh, he's been scammed with a fake ticket. This is a right. hustling and bustling metropolis where people are like pushing past him. Uh, so you establish that this is a world where big cities are a thing. Industry is a thing. Uh, entertainment is a thing. It is a, it is a place that is alive and people care about it. It's not like a post-apocalyptic wasteland like we can sometimes see in um, RPGs or it's not ruled over by like some tyrannical cult in that way. It's just kind of like a normal place where pe normal people are living so when things go bad you know what the stakes are for the world because that world this hustling bustling world full of life and people is in danger and is in a, in a threat it's not like and you can i think also tell different stories in a similar method but again it all comes back to how vv enters into this world on the stage like you know has this ticket gets scammed meets a little rat boy who kind of takes him over there the little rat boy ends up becoming tied into another narrative later on these characters that you meet early like have history and have connections to other people that then ties into the greater story uh fallout new vegas is a great game is, is really great at this as well like there's really yeah. good ways to do this and there's bad ways and i think this game at least in the opening act is fairly bad about it just because it is is here's a big cutscene showing 300 years of history just like in your face and we're not going to if they had cut all of that intro stuff out and then had instead had like an extended sequence with iron mask alfin um in that work camp and establishing stuff it would have made a lot more sense also it's it, it, there's another uh, element of weirdness to this that i i actually forgot to mention in the uh preview which is that alfin has amnesia so it makes a certain amount of sense that he doesn't know the stakes of this world like the the way things are but we've established that he's had amnesia for a year and he that he is constantly being told things that should be common knowledge for the people in this world like basically like oh he's a slave he works in this work camp uh but he doesn't know who the people who rule this work camp are even though they could like he knows other people in this camp he knows like this little kid oh. and there's this kind of like old man who keeps everybody together he's kind of the elder and he's like advises caution against rising up against these people and he's been doing this for a year and made these connections with these people and has been standing up for them and talking to them and yet doesn't know who the people are that have like enslaved him it doesn't like like it's it's like he'll, be fair, he doesn't that, know their names sometimes. That's it's the most so relatable thing you've said so far of like, oh, I just I don't know. and I don't care to know. I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, I am kind of like, well, maybe it's a thing. Maybe that's like maybe he's just, a, you know, kind of an airhead. OK, like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it seems it sounds odd. It does sound like they're throwing a ton. Like it almost seems like they've set up some big story beats late and they didn't figure out how to begin it properly or something yeah, like so that. what it sounds like to me is it sounds like it's following the trend that like breath of the wild and horizon and a couple other games did where this game is so far after the apocalypse that there's a, still a society after it and mm. but like those games made it so 
Breath of the Wild didn't care about what led to the apocalypse. The word is, it's Ganon. That's it. And Horizon, that was the central plot. Like, you are unfolding that mystery as you go through the game. Right. Right. It seems like this one kind of clumsily, or Arise kind of clumsily goes, all right, we need to set up what led to the apocalypse, that society rebuilt itself after it, but it rebuilt badly, and you were trying to bring down the the framework of what is currently going bad. But, like, they couldn't figure out a good way to do that naturally, so they just kind of went, like, here's a cutscene, and now here's two hours just kind of rushing you through this. Right. Here, here's a cutscene where we try to explain everything, and then, oops, we forgot to explain this, so let's let's drum up a scene where this oh, character, who should yeah. absolutely know this stuff already, it, it makes the game, and I think this is maybe the best way I've thought of putting it so far, it makes the game feel like nothing happens or nothing could possibly happen until the player appears like yeah. it doesn't feel like a world mm. that is running in the background that could be running in the background without you it doesn't feel alive or organic it feels like it was stock it was everything was being held stock still until you arrived as the as the human player to come and observe it so it's a star wars movie problem where they have this giant universe that only really matters for five people mm. right mm. sure mm. I'm also thinking, I wonder how much of this is tied to the specific format of the Tales series, because the series is really well known for its skits, which is something that a lot of people like pointed out, like now the skits are different. They're in 3D rather than like their usual 2D format, which has led to some like graphical like concerns and like, you know, um, just like visually, I don't think it from what I've read it's like sort of a mixed bag um <laughs> but like i'm gathering the sense that like i wonder how much of this is because tales as a series it's part of its dna is to focus on characters specifically in those moments so then they're kind of like oh, let's just like do the world building like right up front blah, 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 or yeah something. yeah it could be they definitely still have the skits um i think they i think this game looks very nice like yeah in okay. still images and stuff sure yeah um th i did tell john on slack a few days ago that the characters in this game look like they were animated in knights of the old republic one uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did say that i forgot about that yeah there yeah, is a little a little stiff huh yeah, so especially in those skits and in scenes where there is dialogue between characters, there's one specific part where you're in this big fortress and find this like little boy who is kind of like a slave in this fortress who like makes food for the soldiers there or whatever. And you kill the soldiers that are like bullying him and you talk to the boy. And I was like, oh, I think this boy has been so traumatized because like he's just staring into the middle distance. You like you are talking to him and having a conversation with him and he's just like staring straight ahead, not looking up at you or emoting in anyway and i'm like oh i bet this is going to be like the little boy is is super traumatized and doesn't like know how to talk or maybe they never taught him to talk or like maybe you know maybe there's something else going on here and then just like the, the minute your characters are done talking it's like his character model turns back on and he like looks up and he's like thanks for helping me mister anyway here's a key to the door i'm gonna leave now and then he runs off the scene so brave um, and uh, part of this has to do with what Enron pointed out as like Tales being a very specifically anime series and like as we move on to like trying to do things more realistically in terms of like art styles, mm. um, there's sort of this weird clash between it like keeping its anime style, but also like they're trying to go like, you know, these models are 3D and they're supposed to like move in a very realistic way but that's kind of like uh hard to do maybe i right. imagine it's less than i think that's more budget like it's just these budget namco or uh, bandai namco just doesn't have it in them to make like the big triple a square enix style right jrpg and this is the closest they've gotten because like i think Briteria was the last game and i think that had a ps3 version when it released like yeah. they were they've been making ps3 style jrpgs for the last 15 20 years for this game or for the series so i think this one is just like all right we can we can do more with it we have more power we have more money but we don't have that much more money so right. the the little boy can look weird for a while i guess and and it seems like they maybe put some of their budget more of their budget and more of their like 
interest into things like making sure the combat feels good because it does it, it's action-based combat it's it's sort of devil may cry-esque where yeah it's air juggling enemies and keeping those combos together keeping enemies on their back foot by not stopping attacking them and stringing your moves together because when they attack if they hit you that's health that you lose that then drains away from those healing points. And so there's this battle of attrition going on that is kind of like a really interesting gameplay mechanic. And I think that is maybe what might get people into this game is that like, if you don't like traditional turn-based combat RPGs or anything like that, well, here's something that plays a little bit more actively and exciting. Yeah, the games up until now had the linear motion battle system, which was like, it theoretically is all enemies and characters on a line, but that's changed over the last couple of years or last four games, I'd say. And so now it's just like, it's straight up just a behind the back, almost an ease like battle system, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. It's going to be a big change. I'm curious how like tales fans actually do look at it, but it does seem like they went, okay, what we've been doing hasn't been working or it's getting old. What if we just fundamentally change it? And I mm-hmm. think that's, that is probably a good call. It's better to, be preemptive about this and just wait for people to say, yeah, this is old and archaic. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, I, I think the, the combat actually feels really good. And um, I've been ragging on the story so much that I, I kind of glossed over it. But I actually do like this combat system uh, a good bit. I don't think it's as dynamic or quick as like a Devil May Cry, but it does have its own interesting ideas with like assist moves that whenever you're controlling a character, you can control either once you have them both in your party, Shion or Alfin at any time. And I think you can get up to four in your party at the same time and whoever you're not controlling, you can basically call in like a Marvel versus Capcom to assist move and they will come in. Yeah. Uh, And they will help string your combos together in that way. And that's, that's kind of a cool, interesting way of adding uh, party based JRPG mechanics to an action game, uh, which I thought was very cool. Um, Yeah. I like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the game, honestly, like, I I have not played a Tales game in a while, and this one seems like they're really going for it. I don't know how successful they'll be, but it's it's nice to see a a game or a series that you know for being so consistently the same mm-hmm. over right. multiple multiple mm. games. Just go. What if we decided to change some things up and start improving yeah. some things? And we'll we'll see if they actually execute on that well enough. Yeah, it's it's an interesting idea that they're, you know, because it it has seemed both from the way the publishers talked about the the series as well as just what it seems like with the game itself and and the rest of the franchise is that it does seem like a reboot, like like what we've said of like this is a good jumping in point. But it'll be interesting to see like that's an interesting balance that they're trying to strike of like, hey, it's a Tales game. Everyone that loves Tales. And then also you don't know what that is. That's fine. You know, like it, it's it's interesting to to see how they'll actually strike a balance there. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Sure. It, the the yeah the breakneck speed of the story seems a little odd, but uh, yeah, I I'll probably still give this a shot um, because I yeah. do. I have liked a couple of games in the series, but uh, yeah, it's been a really long time for me. I've always wanted to get into the series proper, but I think, like you said, the series has so been consistent in what it is that I've kind of, I've seen Berseria come and go, Zillia, I have friends into the series, not like hardcore fans, but like generally like, "Ah, it's a series I like to take part in. Um, No one feels super strongly about it in the circles that I run with um yeah it's the hulu original of jrpgs like it's a thing that people are like oh yeah that's cool i'll check it out all right that was fine like that is the tale series right and now this seems a little more interesting um just because like we've gone over it seems like a soft reboot they're trying different things it's always interesting to see you know something so consistent with its identity try to change it up and also it helps that the characters are really hot sorry like it's just it just <laughs> scientifically <God>. helps yeah. <laughs> i'm still laughing at the hulu thing <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the meanest thing you've ever said Imran. i know you I, like I, I know what you mean though it's like there yes. are there are these very breezy kind of things that you can you can find and i would i would say that that's a pretty apt uh comparison yeah. i think Na- bandai namco saw like xenoblade 2 sell 2 million copies and were like mm, why like we right we have the exact same kind of market why are they selling so much better and right. now this is their their attempt to get kind of closer to a more mass market acceptance of this series. Mm-hmm. Right. How to play I like that they Blade Chronicles. 
You've never played it? No. Oh. You might like one of them. Yeah, you might like the first one. Mm. Second one's second one not second one's weird. I mean, it's it's not as good for sure. Worm. The second one goes when Imran talks about like how this game is maybe trying for more of a seinen manga type of vibe. That game goes like full hard like. 90s and 80s style Ronbo one half yes. ridiculousness in a way in in times where it's also wants to have it both ways where it's like deeply serious plot right. but also yeah. like here's this little weird Ewok freak who built a sex robot in his closet that joins yeah. your party yep. <laughs> and so yes. I've not finished yep. that game yet but in reporting on Xenoblade 3 this past week uh, I saw a lot of people actually mention Xenoblade 2 is they call it the successor to Xeno Gears in a way that like really mm. interests me. And I'm kind of curious what that actually means. Wow. That, that I've not played enough of that game to know that. And now, now I'm going to reinstall it on my switch. Now that you've <laughs> said that uh, they said like a lot of the same themes and like, even I mean, plot beats are in pervert, there. Pervert Ewok that builds sex robot, really close to pervert robot that becomes the size of a ro- uh, the, but pervert <laughs> Ewok that becomes the size of like a giant robot that mm-hmm. also gets crucified um, <laughs> later in the game. So like, okay. Yeah, it's like poetry, it rhymes. Huh, I can't believe Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is my favorite game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember, the, the only thing I'd ever heard about direct connections between those franchises was Xenoblade Chronicles X has like a opening shot of a spaceship leaving Earth. Oh yeah, it's real similar to some yeah. of the stuff in Xeno Gears. Yeah, 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 yeah. They 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 keep playing around with that space. That's really interesting to me because you know the rights for oh God. We're getting into a different episode. <laughs> we, should, we should probably stop now well, okay. and in the episode. But what? But I'll just say quickly. Um. They're they they are doing interesting things with that. And to me, they're I almost feel like they're playing a game of weird chicken with the with the the folks that own the IP um, Square Enix of just kind of like, hey, let's make enough games that kind of skirt around this that are successful enough that uh, maybe they'll just buy the IP from Square Enix and maybe they'll actually sell it. Once we do it, enough of this stuff, it, it feels like Bandai Namco at least has been like really willing to play ball because yeah. Cosmos has been in a lot of Xenoblade stuff at this point, right? Yeah, she's in true. Xenoblade too, right? So and like the art has been yeah. featuring her heavily. It's it's an interesting thing that they're doing. I, I don't know. I'm I'm as someone that was profound, like devastated as a. I don't know, 14 year old that figured out that like the, the rest of the Xenogears games were like never going to get made. Um, the Xeno, yeah, the Xenoblade stuff is interesting. I will say mm. that, but um, yeah, yeah, I need to, I need to play Xenoblade more Xenoblade Chronicles 2 myself. There was yeah. that huge expansion that they put out that was basically like its own yeah, second it's a, game, yeah. really which I hear expansion. is way better from yeah. the old, yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> that's a game where it's like, uh, uh, they made Xenoblade Chronicles X and it was like very good mech RPG that I really enjoyed like mechanically. And I was like, there's no mechs in this. And then you play like 30 hours of Xenoblade Chronicles two and there's a flashback and a, a completely unexplained up, up until that point of the game later on, they explain more of it, but completely unexplained. There's a character talking to like another character and standing behind her is just a mech in a game that has never had a mech before. It's just like, okay, I think Wait I a second. yeah, it's fine. Well, talking about Xenoblade will have to be another day because yeah. I think we should be wrapping it up for today. We were wondering if we were going to be able to talk about Tales of Rise for an <laughs> oh, hour. Yeah, I feel it. like we should just stop doubting ourselves and our ability <laughs> to really, like, you know, extend conversations. I mean, like, a solid 15 minutes of that maybe were Final Fantasy fourteen, but still. Like, oh yeah, it was um, it was twenty five, but it's fine. It was great. It was a great conversation. We should just it. approach every episode of Ninety Nine Potions like twenty white guys starting a new game studio. Is what, what? I'm saying. <laughs> Jeez. So true. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you can uh, visit fanbyte.com. Uh, check us out on the social medias uh, fanbite media at twitter Um, (laughs) what else Uh, okay you can go to podcastnet.work for all of our podcasts (laughs) no 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 No? go back to the accent 
podcast.work. <laughs> Is that what you needed, John? Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Oh, cheers. Um, what else? I'm really bad at signing out. I haven't been here in a month. Sorry, y'all. Um, you can now play Knuckles in the Sonic movie. Yeah, British you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Sorry, I never thought about that for a second. Do you think Idris will... Because he, he does a great American accent. He does. I think he'll be American, probably. He probably won't use a British accent. Oh, my I God. Is he going to be Stringer... Is he going to be Stringer Bell or Bloodsport? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. Anyway, sorry. Looking sorry, at Natalie. Dr. Robotnik, is you taking notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy right, right. now? Right, <laughs> yeah. God, I would love Knuckles to be just a straight-up Stringer Bell. That would be amazing. All right, sorry, Natalie. No no problem at all, John. Thank you for that. Um, John, where can people find you on social um, media? You can find me hiding behind my guardian angel, Natalie, on yes. uh, Twitter, at Floppy Adult. Yes, you can expect a message from me on Slack, like a fuckboy coming into your DMs <laughs> at 6 p.m. Because um, I just, what it feels I literally like. just, yeah, I literally just write, hey, WYD, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, Imran, where can people find you on the internet? I can hear you smiling in your little <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to be bullied by Natalie on Twitter at ImranZUMG. Yes, that's true. Imran's oh my god. Um, Steven Strom, <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at, at Steven Strom, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. Simple and clean, like Hikaru Tata mm-hmm. said. It's the way you're making me feel tonight. Yes, so true. That's, uh, you that's can how the find, song goes. Yes, you can find <laughs> me at Hardy Misa. That's heart I M E C I A. You can find our wonderful producer Jordan Mallory at Jordan underscore Mallory. Um, what else did I forget? Um, I join our Discord, it. and then you can submit questions to us, and also yeah. talk to cool people who are really funny. All of you are really funny. I hate it. Um, <laughs> Let's see. What else? Am I forgetting something else? Y'all help me out. Uh, I think you got it. I really do. I, I think, think you got, I got it. it. We got to do, yeah. we got to do the last thing, but yeah. Yeah. So true. Um, but yeah, that was this week's episode, episode 58. Thank you all for your patience uh, with me hosting again. It's been a hot minute and, uh, yeah, I think we're just gonna saddle up to the bar and get a glass of uh whatever <laughs> i would assume um, potions i assume potions is the logical right we're gonna do it in alexandria because that's where final fantasy 9 starts not lindblom um and we're just gonna go clink. Thank you.